What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally. Of course, I'm here with Skip Hill. And uh, no S2H today. Instead, we are joined by Nelson Jones. What's up, man? Welcome back to the program, brother. Hey, well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I say welcome back. You haven't technically been on this program, but you've been at Think right. Big and Advices a couple of times now. Uh, so, Skip, uh, Nelson is the coach of Martin Fitzwater just turned pro in the heavies at North Americans this year. Really fantastic bodybuilder. I think it's guys like him that are going to be the future of our sport. Nelson's done a fantastic job with him. Plus they're good friends. And I've seen Nelson do a lot of good work with a lot of people. So I thought he'd be a good fit. Plus get this. He's listened to literally all of our podcasts. Well, I mean, that's a huge bonus right there, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess all the way back to day one. Hmm? Pretty close. Yeah. All, all the way back yeah. in the, the PED days, but yeah, blood, sweat, and gear is uh, the one I listen to the most frequently. Okay, um, you know, throw it up while I'm working, and everything. Listen to your cat stories, etc. <laughs> I think I had to actually move the cat tower from behind me because I knew that it would be seen. I don't. You might even be able to see a little bit of the perch on the window because it's all it's an all glass wall, and I have oh, these yeah, per yeah. perches way up there. So if you see it, yes, that's what. And the cats are probably staring at it, going, "Well, how the fuck am I going to get up there now since he moved the cat tree?" Anyway, yeah. So Skip hadn't been with us for a couple of weeks. He had he had stuff going on with a client the first time, and the second time you moved. We might get a chance to talk a little bit later about that. Um, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. We've got some listener questions from over at the group. Guys, if you want to uh, take part in the show, everybody who's watching live right now at the uh, Think Big and Advices Facebook group, we'd love to have you ask questions. So anything bodybuilding related, off topic, uh, cat care, stuff for Nelson, just <laughs> let us know. Um, but we've got a topic to start with, though. While you guys uh, help us out starting those questions up, uh, Skip and I were talking about this through the week. We both independently came up with this topic on our own, actually, and it's what makes a good gym good? Like if we had to boil it down to one thing, what is it? What is that thing? Because you walk in some gyms, something gyms even have decent equipment, but you're like, yeah, I don't really like it. What's the one thing, the common denominator that makes a good gym good? And I, I, I think, Skip, you've been thinking about this one. So I, I figured we'd start with you. Well, I've been thinking about it because of the move. You know, the farther north you move away from Miami, uh, primarily Miami, but Fort Lauderdale too, the gyms, in my opinion, I don't want to offend anybody who owns a gym or trains at a gym and they think it's awesome, that's fine. But I've been doing this shit a long time, and in my old age, I'm picky, very picky. So you? the gyms up here are, yeah, exactly. The gyms up here are a little bit different. They're not bad, they're not great, but, you know, they're just different. And uh, one of the big things to me is it, you know, is equipment. Basically, I think it comes down to two things. It's atmosphere and how well equipped it is. Uh, and, and people have different preferences. I mean, there's a lot of people who like the big, fancy, uh, new pieces of equipment that take up one entire city block for one right. piece of equipment. Have 14 different levers that you can put plates on, you know, to change resistance and, and things like that. And that's great. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I just, it, things like that are not terribly important to me. I like the old school shit. And so to me, the equipment is number one. Plus it gets tough when you, um, the more years and the time you get under your belt, because you end up with vulnerabilities and my lower back, mm. of course, being one. So 
you know, if, if I go to a gym and I check it out and the leg equipment is just middle of the road and it's mediocre, there are things I can pick out right away that, that most people don't. It was funny because I was at this gym there and I was checking out the other day and I noticed some things with, you know, they have a pendulum, big deal to me. They're not very easy to find, at least down here. And that's big for me because of my lower back. So that's just one of those things. But then I look at the assisted chinning bar and I line it up with one eye like this. And it, it looks like it's two inches off from the steel beam on the left side to the right. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm going to totally blow my symmetry and I'm never going to win the Olympia if I do a set of chins on that. What are you talking? So those types of things, it's not just the equipment itself, but has the equipment been maintained? Is the, is the mm. lever arm on the leg extension, you know, two inches <laughs> crooked, you know, things Glad like that. Or I, exactly. Or you see a strive leg extension, you go, oh, it comes from the middle and it's plate loaded. Ooh, you know, those types of things get me fired up. But I think that's what it comes down to. And, and it's very difficult to find the combination of well-equipped and atmosphere. So look, I can create an atmosphere for myself in the sense that if I've got the equipment, I've trained long enough to be able to bust my balls training, but it is nice to have the atmosphere as well. I would, I just personally would rather take the equipment over the atmosphere. Hmm. How about you, Nelson? I, I'm in a similar plane of thought. So in a while ago, years ago, I would have said, I want atmosphere like that's the big thing you want a lot of people there who you train with blah blah blah. honestly now at this point i don't need that if i have a training i'm my training partner i'm fine it's like i want equipment that isn't going to hurt my knees it's not going to um like i have like shoulder problems that are on and off so it's like if, if i'm getting into a machine that's just been torn to pieces yeah it's I can't do it. Or you have a, a Smith machine that has been ill-maintained and it just, it's mm-hmm. massive friction or I don't know. And then there's just pieces that were picked out and the, the these pieces were made by people who don't train. Yes. So it, it, it's a big deal. So, I mean, it's funny because you mentioned footprint. The arsenal equipment takes up a huge footprint. It takes up, you know, 20 feet in the gym. But if, when I get in the, the hack squat for the like, arsenal hack squat, that feels nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very comfortable. It doesn't hurt. Um, same, but you get that with a lot of the old school stuff, like the old school Cybex hack squat and right, right. Um, you know things like that. And I'm not looking for something to um, blow my ego that I get in. I could put eight plates on it. I want something mm-hmm. that isn't going to hurt because at this point, I'm I'm getting to like I guess maybe it's the eight, the training age or the age where things have worn down quite a bit. And whether or not it was me acting foolishly in my younger training years, just not warming up. And I'm just going to do three plates and squat and we'll see what happens. It's like now it's like it takes a long time to warm up. And if I get on something and it hurts, I just stop doing it. Yeah. It's like that piece of equipment is useless to me now. I don't know. I would rather have a really nice setup. It doesn't even like, let's say a a nicely thought out setup. It doesn't even have to be nice, you know. Right. But that then – they play loud music and you know, whatever. Yeah. I I got something that's going to be like so much more basic and it's one word. No, it's more than one word. One sentence. (laughs) (laughs) So I I was thinking about it because, so I'm training exclusively from, from my home gym now. You know, I don't, 
I have two gym memberships. I had three. I canceled one of them. Actually, I canceled one of them because of the whole mask thing. They wanted me to wear a mask everywhere in the gym. Uh, I have two memberships still. One of them I'm definitely going to keep. I need to cancel the other one and just pay a day pass because I still like the gym, but I would save money by paying the $20 day pass to go there as often as I go there and still, you know, save. Anyway, so building my home gym, I had to think about what was important to me. And I think back to the beginning of quarantine when I had my my rickety old weeder bench from like 1991 that like literally you'd lay on it and you'd be like wobbling back mm-hmm. and forth. The screws yep. are coming out and stuff. They're like falling out of the cardboard that they're cardboard that they were drilled into. And uh, the the thing that I need most is it, I don't want to be limited by my strength. Right. You know, I want to be able to lift heavy and I want to be able to, you know, to me, I guess that's the foundational thing. And I started thinking about it because there's a there's a, some of the guys I follow. I started following more like home gym people on Instagram and there, there's some dudes with some cool gyms. There's a couple guys in Southern California that I know that have a collection of equipment that like is it's like better than a lot of commercial gyms. People who have loved commercial equipment and have collected like specific pieces over the years. Like I love this nebula, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then they've got this, you know, uh, wh- whatever other brand piece over here. And like, they've got everything that's absolutely perfect. This one guy had like literally hundreds of pieces. He has this big deck out back. He built this like huge awning with just like probably 50 pieces under it. And then on top of that, it's in Southern California, so it doesn't really rain a lot. He has machines in his yard. So he had like this. Oh, nice. Just an entire yard. It was like just a field of machines. And, but I thought about it. And I was like, but what I really want to train on all that. Yeah. Well, apparently Honestly. they don't have an HOA there because that kind of <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, if you have a car up on cinder blocks, that's okay. But you can't have a yard full of training equipment. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. where we draw the line. So I guess for me, I, I think that I lift pretty basic now. Most of it is going to be dumbbell row, barbell row, uh, dumbbell incline press. And then I like to be able to do like a machine, you know, but for me, it's been so simplified. I've gone from having three gym memberships and training at each one for different reasons Mm -hmm. to training on the same equipment day in, day out. And maybe, you know what, eventually that'll probably get old, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it and I'm learning to progress in other ways within the real basic equipment. So for me, it was a long way of saying strength. Strength is the the one thing, as long as I'm not limited there. But I don't know. I feel like I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, because we've all, I think, had to evaluate this over the last year now. And a lot of people have said kind of what you guys kind of mentioned, too. The uh, the atmosphere, you know, people lack the community. They don't have a sense of community, you know, training at some gyms or on their own. And I guess I get that. I mean, I have a like a 24-hour membership where it's a key fob gym, and at the most you'll see two or three people there. Yeah. It's very dead. And I get that. You can go to a place and it's just like, it's dead. I don't know. Well, I'm, I tell you, I got a good setup here I just happened into. Not only do I have a well-equipped gym, but I'm going to one-up both of you on this one. Check this out. I was okay. actually quite excited. But um, I get a key 
to the gym. Wow. I just met the guy. I get a key <laughs> wow. to the fucking gym to be able to, because they tr- they close at nine o'clock, which is kind of odd for a gym. Yeah. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean, and I told him, I said, damn, you know, I can't train it because I can't get done in, in Fort Lauderdale with my clients and get back up here in time. And so my wife and I um, get to train and get a key to the fucking place. And I love that. You were talking about community. See, my thing is, is I can enjoy the community and the broness of it all and everything else. But I think because I've done that for so long, mm-hmm. I like the isolation. You know, I was training at two, three in the morning down at Iron Temple in Miami. And I, it's still probably my favorite gym ever. And even though I'm an hour and a half away, I'm still going to get down there every now and then just to bang late by myself. But so that gives me the atmosphere and the equipment. But it's, um, it's like much like you said, I don't necessarily, when I say well-equipped, I don't need the top of the line equipment, even though it is nice on occasion, I just need those pieces, those pieces. Like if I see an eye carry and hack squat, I get all like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Because we have shitty Cybex ones down here that drag so bad. You know, Nelson was talking about friction that things like that drive me nuts. I carry a bottle of silicone spray in my gym bag (laughs) because I, if something drags or a cable press or something, I'm I'm fucking putting silicone on that damn thing, (laughs) making sure it's smooth as shit. So those things matter quite a bit, but I thought it was pretty cool that I, that I now have the flexibility. So I don't have to race the clock because that's one of the things I hate in the gym too, is if they close at a specific time and then I'm in there and, you know, I only have an hour, hour and a half, you know, hour and a half train. Like I can't train an hour. It takes me fucking 20, 25 minutes to get warm these days. (laughs) Give me a break. (laughs) It's funny. Most of quarantine, I trained in a place where we we just like we knew the owner and they, he let us in. He was cool. Nice. He let me in the, a couple clients in, um, and so we would just go. And, like, and there was no atmosphere. You know, it was just we got to go in and we trained. So it's like you create your own atmosphere. It's like exactly. you're at the gym. It's like we had dumbbells up to 150. Nice. And we had you know a couple benches, some squat racks, and then a nice hack squat. You know, that was it. And it's all we really needed. Right. Um, and like, it, well, like you said, um, Scott, it's like it was very basic for a long yeah. time. And honestly, I thought felt like we all benefited from that. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. dumbbell press, flies. There was uh, a Smith there. The Smith sucked. So we had to go to bench press. And like, honestly, it was fine. Yeah. We kept it like later on in the workout so we wouldn't like rip a peck or something. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, it all worked out better. And I think we benefited from not using as many machines. Which it's like, it's not like there's a problem with that, but we've been doing it for so long it was nice to yeah. have a little change you know where are you from nelson um i'm from atlanta but i live in virginia gotcha okay yeah. eric bassett said uh says i think one of the reasons home gyms are getting more popular besides covid is because they're actually more like old school, old school yeah. dungeon gyms mm-hmm. and yeah you know what i mean i'll tell you what i honestly i think i make i mean i've been lifting heavier now in some of my sets are the heaviest set I've ever done in my entire life type thing, you know? So it's yeah, like yeah. part of it, I don't know if it's psychological or what, but I have made more noise. And I think that like the decimal I've gone to probably wouldn't be acceptable. Even, even at like powerhouse gym here in Novi, that's their world headquarters. It's, it has like every hardcore machine you could think of. The place is 60,000 square feet. It's an amazing gym, great equipment, but I feel like the, it's not, they're not hardcore still. They like they don't cater to they don't get it. Nobody I think yeah. I hate to sound that way, but it's like the gym industry is the fitness industry. It's not they're not bodybuilding industry anymore. Yeah. You exactly. Know? And times have changed. It's unfortunate. I've even caught myself going, 
damn, that motherfucker's making a lot of noise. And I go, what am I saying? Like, holy (laughs) shit. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that long ago where you were dropping shit and you were yelling. And and that's one of the nice things about Iron Temple because I saw one of my clients, Manny, doing a set the other day and the guy's hitting him on the back and everything. And they're, you know, it it seemed, and I posted this, it would seem very, very melodramatic to a lot of people like, oh my God, you're doing it. You know what? That is the old school shit. And in small gyms like that, that are garage style gyms or your home gym, yeah. you can do that. And yes. there's something to be said for that. It's a mindset. It's a, it's a, you're a little off. The only thing that matters at that point is, yeah. you know, it's, it's do or die sort of shit. And, and it's a nice place to be. And honestly, I had to tell myself, I train pretty hard, but I haven't been there in a while. Huh. And I even train by myself. Yeah. Now, I do get a little louder with my headphones in than I've noticed because when I've had them <laughs> out, I thought, okay, I'm not that quiet. But it was funny that uh, and another guy mentioned the same thing. He goes, yeah, he goes, I thought there'd be a lot more going on over there with all that noise. And and I fed into it and I, and I kind of smile and laugh like, yeah, it, but that doesn't matter it shouldn't matter you know what i mean he's in it he's fucking killing it he's in the zone he's doing his shit leave him alone i want to be left alone i'm leaving this cat alone you know do your thing yeah 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 i feel a lot more comfortable a lot more relaxed you know the the one gym uh mike toller's any or it used to be anytime he moved he quit anytime started his own thing expanded it west fit he calls it now that's only 15 minutes from me and if I want to train that would be the place that I would go if I wanted to leave the house to go out to the gym and he's really cool he would accommodate me for anything I needed to do uh but it's just there there is it it is there you're in you're in someone else's house when you're in a gym yeah. you know exactly and setting up your your phone and you know maybe even a mini tripod you don't have to feel like a douchebag yeah yeah <laughs> you know when it's and, and i don't know how, how long you guys have done it but i've been done it for a long time too and i'm still not comfortable doing it yeah. it just seems very self-absorbed and very narcissistic and look at me i'm t- you know i'm doing yeah. it even though there's a reason and it's legit, I get that, but it just still kind of weighs on me. So now I don't have to deal with that shit and you don't have to, if you're training at home. So it's kind of a nice little advantage. It's, it's funny because I tell clients all the time, no, send me a video. It's like, I want to see like your max effort hack squad. I want to see this. I want to see that. And it's like, if you have a question about form, film it. I want to see it. Yeah. And then right. I get to the gym and I'm setting up something for like, God, I feel like a douchebag right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm going to film myself. And I'm making my clients do this. Like, yeah, everyone look at me while I hack squat, you know? Right. It, it becomes right. one of those things. So, yeah, it, it is nice if you if you have your own private setup. And, again, like when I, when I was training, you know, earlier on in the year, I filmed a lot more stuff mm. because mm. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's like this is a private place. No one's, like, no one's really looking. Pop that down. You're making noise. You're, you're just – you're doing it because – you're in like the moment you're not thinking like god i hope right. i don't like offend like there's a 60 year old woman over there i don't like upset her you know yeah that's a that's been a the, the the video thing it's been an evolution in my training um i yeah i keep a tripod i'm, I'm look i keep looking over here because my gym is literally right behind right, right. me you know um the studio is just a room off of the gym so I'm like looking out at the equipment as we talk, but I, I, um, I keep a tripod out there and I just put my camera on it. And when I'm training, when I go to do my, my heavy sets, I record all of them now. And yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think about it at all. Now, initially when I did it, I was like, Hey, this is going to be a good set. And I want to film this set because I want to post it on Instagram. And then I started finding, I looked at that set and I started learning. It became, it's become such a tool for me now because you think that you're like doing a two second squeeze. You think you're like, you're doing like a pause squat and you're like counting 10 seconds. 
And then you look at it and you're like, did I stop at all? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I swear, the, I, I counted the, to 10 the, in my head. The, the most telling thing is just like, I gave that everything. And you look and yeah. the reps didn't slow down as much as you thought. You're like, yes. oh, I had two more. I thought I was dying. I, I barely mm -hmm. got that up. Yeah. Nope. I had another one. Yep. So it's like next time, like in your head, you're like, okay, did that really go as slow as I thought? And then you can kind of start to come down and get those extra reps because you're paying attention to that. Yeah. yeah I've done the exact same thing. It's funny because I was finished a set of squats and go, I had, I didn't have another one. Right. And then I'm thinking, damn, that just didn't seem as difficult as I, could I have gotten another one? The other thing is with back, I, we could go on and on about this, but I'll say, make this last point uh, myself. You guys can keep going if you want. But when it comes to rowing, I think a lot of people, if they would take a video of them doing T-bar rows, they might see that their T-bar rows are fucked up. We're in that phase right now where T-bars are, you know, it's the Ronnie Coleman phase revisited. And Ronnie Coleman would get away with it. I think so. It, it may, hopefully we're coming out of it. But that loading the T-bar row oh. and barely moving it for a bicep movement, you know, Ronnie got away with it. The rest of us can't get away with that shit. And I think that if a lot of people could see how they were doing those reps and doing those sets, they might think that just, there's not a lot of elbow movement there. I don't know. Mm. And so you make a good point because I know I've seen videos myself, even with lockout on say dumbbell presses. And I think, oh yeah, I'm just short of lockout. Now I wasn't doing them ridiculously short, but they were shorter than they felt. So it was nice to be able to see that. So even people who are advanced and have been training for a long time, seeing yourself do something, especially from an angle, instead of just seeing yourself in the mirror, maybe squatting from the side or seeing yourself, you know, pull deads from the side. That's an angle that you have not seen uh, that you can't see in a mirror. You, know, you can't pull deads and look over your shoulder into the mirror. You shouldn't be anyway if you're pulling big numbers. So things like that can be invaluable, uh, even if you've been around for a while and you've been training for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's been that's been a big thing for me. I and and I think you're you guys are right that there is there's like that thing where like you don't want to get the camera out at the gym. You don't want to you feel you feel like you're some sort of, you know, idiot, some sort of douchebag by by filming a set. But yeah, I found that. But here's the thing, too. I think that the more you do it, the more comfortable you are, you know, but I don't have to worry about it at home. So I like it. Anyway, that yeah, that's some good stuff. Um, guys, we have some listener questions that are populating our feed here. I've got some listener questions from over at the group. So what do you say? Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to knock out all the listener questions. Sounds good. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Scott McNally here, of course, with Skip Hill and our special guest coach of the day, Nelson Jones. Uh, we have a bunch of listener questions. And, uh, you know, once again, shout out to our great sponsor, True Nutrition. I'm drinking my Team Skip shake right now. So... We had one. I want to start out with this question because this is from uh, a good friend of the program, Nate Spear, freaking phenomenal bodybuilder who's this close to turning pro, yeah, right? this close. And I really wished that he would have been able to do 
USA's, but uh, I know that he he couldn't get off the work, and you know he's grinded so long anyway. Yeah. I just hope that not having gotten it hasn't had like a negative impact on him because he's so damn close. I just, yeah. I think he, I, we all see it like us on the outside. We can all see how freaking close anyway, but he had a, yeah. he had a question here and this is directed toward Nelson. He said, uh, and he's referring to uh, you working with Martin. He says um, they have some great rebounds. Do they increase calories fairly high out the gate or do they go slow? Uh, with increased foods, with it, slow with increasing foods. I know Martin is a metabolic freak, so I assume they can get away with jumping the food up pretty quick out the gate. Yeah. Um, Martin is uh, the quintessence of the word freak, for sure. Um, so I don't know how helpful this is because it doesn't apply to that many people. But <laughs> with, with him... Um, we had been dieting on, let's say, like his moderate days were 375, 400 grams of carbs. His high days were 1,000 um, coming down. And then he'd get a cheat meal on the weekends, you know? So it's, it's not like, oh, that was his high day. And then he didn't have it. I still gave him a cheat meal. So um, once we got down to like the last two weeks, um, we were just doing pictures every day. And I, I, didn't, I don't know if I, I might have put two high days in and then there was no cheat meals. We just died straight down, got him where he needed to be. Once we came out, I, I believe his, I, I bumped his carbs to 550 on a normal day. Um, and then it was 850 for two high days. And then he had two off days with cheat meals on him. So, I mean, right out the gate from, let's say it was, it, the last two weeks it was 300 to 550 it's probably like a th it's like around a thousand calorie bump right off the bat um so that's quite a bit but the last 12 weeks i had pulled his cardio he wasn't doing cardio for whatever the last or i think it was 10 weeks last 10 weeks so i did put in 20 minutes of cardio when we started huh. because i knew that weight was going to come up quick i'm not trying to you know give a 23 year old a heart attack so it's like let's keep him healthy let's do some cardio um, and then that way you can, you can eat up because it's funny because even feeding him that much, he's like, I'm starving. Yes. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm so hungry. And so we gave him some food and obviously he had his treats along the way. I, I think for most people, you could probably get away with a little more than you think if you're not, mm. you know, metabolically hindered or you have, you know, some issues, but I don't know if you need a thousand calorie jump, but I'd say most people could, could get away with, let's say. I mean, it's funny because if he's doing 300 grams of carbs and that's his like his lowest, you know, days going in. I mean, I'm doing 25. I'm, I, I have no food. I have to starve to get into shape. <laughs> I'm doing two hours of cardio. Um, so I would say someone like me, 25, maybe I could go to 125, you know, something like that, which, you know, that's not right. nothing crazy, but it's okay. You could, you could kind of pop it up a little bit. You could, mm. I mean, if, if you have 50, maybe you could do 225. You could kind of more, more than double what you have if you have a little bit. Um, but with him, it's it's funny. It's like we don't we don't get crazy. It's like obviously I don't think you need excessive PEDs or you don't need insulin. It's like you're coming right out of the most sensitive time you could possibly be. Right. So yeah. with him, I just push clean food, and and he already trains like a maniac. So it, it the work does itself. 
if he ha- mm-hmm. if he has the fuel, you know. I think that Nelson brings up a good point. I think that in the last few years, the idea of reversing out of a diet has become very popular, and I think it's become something that is um, it's assumed that you <clears throat> like that it has to be a reverse. Skip, do you think that? I, tell tell me if you agree with me. I don't think that every diet has to be like this slow reversal process that some people you can just throw food at. <clears throat> some people you can, but again, it comes down to whether they're metabolically gifted, um, like Nelson was saying. So I completely agree with that. Uh, us mere mortals can't reverse, um, you know, like a lot of these these guys can. Let me ask you, is there background noise right now? Mine? For me? No, for me. Do you hear oh. anything in the background? Okay, my wife left the dishwasher running and it's grating oh, on my nerves. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that about reverse dieting because it is something relatively new. Uh, you know, roughly over the last handful of years, it's become more popular. Um, at the same time, obviously, it's related to people not blowing up and being more responsible and more disciplined yeah. coming off of shows so that they can keep their body composition more favorable in the off season. which I couldn't be happier to see that trend kind of getting its footing. Um, I think it's a great, not only just for making prep in the off season, you know, I think better uh, insulin sensitivity, things like that, but also for the health ramifications as well. You know, it wasn't long ago where people would brag uh, and they still do a little bit, but nothing like it used to be, you know, on the message boards, we'd all brag about how much weight we put on and, you know, 32 pounds and 30 some pounds in the first, you know, week or so. And, you know, I'm older now. I think, God, if I put on 30 pounds now, I'd just pretty much go into congestive heart failure and fucking die. I'd go to sleep and never wake up. <laughs> um, so I honestly, I think that, um, and it may seem like a bit of a stretch or, or a little bit dramatic, but I think that the trend is saving lives and it's sparing people a lot of health uh, ramifications down the road. Uh, but as far as reversing and the numbers go, it's such an individual thing that I think a lot of times it just comes to how comes down to how gifted your metabolism really is. You can't come off a show and make tiny incremental changes, even if you're, you know, an endo predominantly you know, endomorphic because your body coming off a show should be so depleted in your, your metabolism, even if it's poor and I've got a poor one. And if mine can respond well, Hmm. Uh, relatively well. I think the large majority of people can too. That first jump does need to have, I don't think it should be very small. Now that's the thing because you don't want to try to do this typically on your, on your own, unless you know what you're doing. And, and I think that's why it's good to have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, because if you do make too big of a jump, you know, you've got yourself, it's always funny because you never really notice that it's too big of a jump until you wake up one morning and you literally act like you got fat overnight. Okay. And, And you didn't, but we, you know, you're so convinced that you're just growing and I'm gaining all this. When in reality, you're just filling out. There's a point where the water spills over the top of the cup, and that's when you wake up one morning when, and you're thinking, "Oh shit!" You know, and then you've gone essentially, you've gone too far, and you gotta, you know, very aggressively panic and, and try to pull the numbers back and, and keep it from keep your weight from skyrocketing at that point. So it is. It's individual for everybody. You guys know that. Um, most of the listeners know that too. If you're not sure, then make smaller incremental changes. But for someone who hasn't done it, you need to know going in that as soon as you start adding calories and specifically carbs, you're going to get 
ravenously hungry. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like throwing gas on a fire. It's like, holy shit. I'm, I'm more, I've heard this so many times. I'm more hungry now than, than I was before the show. Yeah. Well, that's be glad <laughs> that metabolically you're, you know, you're responding to that because that's one sign, one of many, but one sign that, you know, metabolically you're, you're, you know, you're in a good spot there. So take advantage yeah, you're, of that. You're not hungry at all. We're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. Jeremy Carver says, uh, uh, anything that y'all can give me for a faster recovery from rotator cuff surgery, having it on December 16th. So he's about 10 days out from the time of this recording, uh, looking for as fast a recovery as possible. Of course, we all would be. Uh, any tips to speed the process up? Drugs, lots of drugs. Throw some <laughs> growth at it. If you got anything else, Nelson, feel feel free to throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I think that you know, look, if I well, and I did, yeah, I had a partial rupture, my gluteus medius, and even though I had to pull the plug on my cut phase, prep phase, I wasn't going to come off at that point because I wanted to recover as quickly as possible. And I think we've all seen, uh, whether it be friends or clients that, you know, while they're on, they recover quicker, you know, not just AAS, but, you know, growth hormone as well. So anything that you can continue to, you know, keep recovery up and shorten that time is less time out of the gym. And you may still be able to train other body parts. I was able to train, uh, I was actually able to train legs relatively light with a select few exercises. But, you know, there's no growth going on there. I'm, I'm in limbo. I was in limbo at that time. So the sooner I could get through 100% through that injury, the sooner I could get back to banging and, you know, banging is peace of mind and, and growth again. So, you know, you take what you, you know what you can. If he's asking specifically what to take, you know, I can't break it down. I mean, I just think that AS and GH, obviously, they help recovery and they will speed up the healing process. Nelson, have you had any experience or known anybody who's had experience with BPC-157? Yeah, me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. What'd you, I, I know what'd you think of like, it? I, I know it's I, – I like it. Yeah. I know it's not like, you know, everybody's favorite, but um, – When you say everybody, you mean Skip. <laughs> but i have admitted that no that i haven't used it so it may well have its merits listen it's like i just haven't your, used it. your logic is accurate because it's like what's it really doing it's like are you just preparing i mean a lot of times even with like deck up you were like oh it helps my joints it's like but are you just cushioning your joints and still messing them up yeah it's <laughs> right it's possible you know, it's like you could be putting a band-aid on something um right. and hurting yourself but I I I didn't get it. I don't feel like I got as much out of TB500, but okay. I've run TB500 and BBC, and then I've run BBC by itself. I really like BBC, and I have a couple of years ago. I I really jacked up my knees, just being a moron, um, doing things I shouldn't have done, and just it's just so silly. Um, but I I ran thirty bottles of BBC. Yeah, like how did you do? Bouts it? and bouts and bouts over and over and over. Try to fix it and really i think one of the main things we could say is while you're having the problem if this was something from like where or you're you know hack squatting and you need to get a wedge or something because your ankle mobility is poor or whatever the case is um stop doing what's hurting it because if you keep doing what's hurting it and you're taking this band-aid 
it's not going to fix it. You might feel mm-hmm. good and you're still going to, you know, and, but I, I did that. And so I just kept doing, I kept, I was barbell squatting. I kept barbell squatting and just jacking up my knees over and over and over. And I just took this and so I could keep barbell squatting and my glutes grew and my legs didn't. So, you know, but I, I do like BBC. Yeah. Um, How did you I dose it? Two, three times a day. Um, 150, 200 micrograms. That's it. You, so you went really low. Yeah, uh, I did. So it was but two to three times a day. And I did that for, it was, it was always six to eight weeks. Okay. Um, cause I felt like, you know, longer was yeah. probably the, the best thing, even probably, oh, it's healed. Like if you can, like, if it feels healed in, in four, probably should go to six still. Yeah. You know, um, if you know the healing properties are there, I think probably more than anything, what's realistically going to help is growth hormone. Yeah. You know, um, and then I don't know. I, I still take joint supplements. I don't know that they really offer, you know, a ton of help. Um, but I feel like I kind of do it all, you know? So if, if I have a problem, I'm, I, I don't end up questioning. It's like, was that really efficacious? No, I was just like, okay, let's do all the things and try to fix it. You know? Yeah. Um, that's what I've done too. Cause I had the partial rupture of my supraspinatus this past, you know, six, five months ago now. So I did, of course, BPC and growth. Um, I used a low dose of DECA. And then um, one of the things I said was, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to beef up on my joint supplements. And so my first thoughts are, you know, joint supplements. What is it? Glucosamine, chondroitin, yep. MSM. Those are the three things I think of. And uh, Dante messaged me. And he said, hey, you know, just so you know, that stuff is not going to fix the problem. So he actually uh, pushed me in the right direction of getting the things that would. Um, One of the things I and I'm using this long term now, there's a product called. um, Oh, all of a sudden my mind blanked. There's two of them, though. Two things that will fix it. Um, uh, flex. I can't, I can't, my brain's blanking all of a sudden. Um, yeah. but it, it's, uh, uh, two products. One is it has the, uh, uh, undenatured type two collagen, uh, UC2 as it's called. And that's in the, the, the flex product. For some reason, my mind's blanking. I've said it like a zillion times at true nutrition. Of course they are a sponsor. Uh, but I'd highly suggest it because it also does have the MSM, the chondroitin, uh, and, and all that stuff, which is good for cushioning of the joints. And then it has stuff that's good for inflammation, too. So all that stuff combined makes a really good combo. Um, so I'm using that stuff long term. And then the other thing is um, just straight standardized uh, beef collagen hydrosylate, which I also get from True Nutrition. So those two things, the undenatured type 2 collagen and the beef collagen hydrosylate that gives you the type one, two, and three. And three, right? Yeah. Yep, of collagen. And so those things actually will give you. So we're using things like, you know, whatever it is, Anivar or DECA, because that yeah. will upregulate your ability to create protein synthesis. This is giving you the materials then that you need. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to take a steroid to grow muscle, you also have to eat protein. You know, the best bet would be give yourself that collagen so that you can have the materials you need. Um, 
and I found, you know what, it's it's helped a lot, I guess. I, it's hard to say, like, I can't put my finger on it and be like, you know, because I, I can't compare it. It's not like I tore one and used it and tore another one and didn't. But I've had a hell of a recovery, and I feel 100% strong again. So those would be... I'm glad you elaborated, because when you said that Dante... I. I wasn't sure you weren't going to say or that the listeners might not think that Dante jumped in his truck and drove a case or a pallet of growth hormone to your house. And said, this is really all you need to do. Yeah, yeah. So Dante, Dante, Dante gave me growth off the hook there. Yeah, yeah, Dante gave me Dante growth hormone. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Yeah. And I, I, and am wearing my, I am wearing my What Would Dante Trudell Do shirt today. I did see that. I was going nice. to comment on it earlier. Yeah, yeah because nice. I figured that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, definitely reach out to me, Jeremy. I know that you've probably, I think you've asked this uh, in another place. You've probably heard me say, he listens to all the shows. This is like the hundredth time I've talked about this stuff. Um, who Dante does? Jeremy, who I just was talking to. Yeah. Dante listens to some I, of the programs. No, he does. And I train him and I told him not. I don't know if anybody knows that. I'm actually his trainer. He doesn't publicly admit it, but I'm just being honest and transparent. All the pieces are coming together. <laughs> I know exactly right. All right. Let's see. So we have a bunch more here. Um, Ed asks, how about low and zero calorie sweeteners like Stevia, Splenda, monk fruit extract, etc., and the various dietary implications, bulking, cutting, and prep stages? Uh, what seems a topic, it seems to be a topic that Ken could blast on. Abuse of these things? Uh, how to determine, I guess, how to determine abuse. If you're um, abusing it? <laughs> yeah. Who shouldn't use them and when? He also adds, love the show. Uh, glad Skip found his way back to a microphone after cruising for Lambos and new clients before moving to West Palm Beach. S2H forever, he adds. Nice, nice. Nice little cheap shot at the end. Yeah. <laughs> You know what, Nelson? Run with this one first, if you don't mind. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. So with this one, I think it's kind of, I don't want to like, I'm not being insulting at all, but it's kind of overthinking it. Um, I think that in, unless there are digestive issues, I, I don't see the problem with a little stevia in your oats or cream of rice or something. Um, if you're using sugar-free barbecue sauce during off-season, I, I don't see a problem. And most of the time, if that's just something you have with your meal all the time, it's just a constant. So mm -hmm. as you go through prep, um, really, it shouldn't be a problem unless you're someone who you're starting off and you're Dave Pulsanilla in the off season. It's like, no, nothing. And then you get to six weeks out and you're like, you know what? I want, I want real ketchup and I want, <laughs> you know, you know, and or, or whatever, even sugar free ketchup. It's like, I want it on every meal. It's like two gallons. It's like, sure, that kind of stuff. Um, it can add calories, but and the calories are pretty minimal. If we're talking, let's say, across all your meals, you have like 60 calories or 40 calories or whatever it is. Like there's four calories in a packet of um, Splenda. So use a couple of those. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, if that's really the problem, I think we have we have other issues. Like you're not getting lean because of this. You know, we have um, – really what you want is you want consistency. So if you're someone who – you, you you like Splenda? Use your freaking two Splenda in your oatmeal. Fantastic. Or you want it in your coffee or whatever. Um, I, I think it's a little... I don't know. I, I get the whole being hardcore and it's like you want to do this the right way. 
but you can enjoy your food. Um, I think what what really it comes down to is if you're if you're a crazy person and you want to do seventeen Splenda in sixty grams of cream of rice, yeah, really, it's like the biggest issue is your stomach's going to be messed up, right? Um, you're going to have like GI distress, and you, honestly, you'll probably just look watery, and mm. you're not going to be happy with that. But I don't know. At least you had your sweet cream of rice. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's one of those things. Like I, I use all that stuff, and I'm not like a huge sauce person or anything. But I like I, I like my food to taste like something. Um, but that's I don't think even though I, I am someone who has to do a lot of cardio and my food has to get low, I don't really even think about it that much. Um, I just don't think it's that big of an issue. Yeah, I think a lot of it is. I think we have a lot of parallels on this topic. I think a lot of it is splitting hairs. Um, ultimately, it comes down. I could I could oversimplify it by simply saying this: if you're getting leaner, yeah. let's say you're you're dieting and it's in there, and you're getting leaner and you're progressing, then Mama said you don't fix what ain't broke. You let you leave it alone and you let it ride. And when it's not working, or you get to the point where it's not working, then you pull that shit. Yeah. There is something to be said. You made a good point about this too. There is a difference between. <laughs> two packets of stevia and you know chewing you know seven packs of gum all day right. because you can't brush right. it i think there's a level because yeah, i agree with you i i'm i'm a i'm the type of person that i'm gonna just choke your food down get it done because you're not gonna enjoy it anyway because it sucks no matter what but at the same time <laughs> if you can get away with using those things and they're not getting in the way you know a lot right. of the argument is about insulin response and everything else i mean you know it it kind of reminds me about my fat female friends from high school when they get on Facebook and they're heavy and and they don't move and they don't do anything and they're going on and on about how they need to quit drinking Diet Coke like that's what's making them fat right. and it's just laughable and then you try to tell them and you know who, who am I to say they're going to listen to their soccer mom middle-aged Right. Astro van driving friends and and take that advice. And, and I got to the point where I'm saying we're saying anything anymore. But the point is, is if you're able to get away with it, that's fine. If you're going just completely overboard and there's just really a lack of discipline to yeah. where you feel like you can't eat this food unless you put all this shit on top of it, then you really need to ask yourself what you're doing, because it, it, and I don't want to get too long winded on this, but you need to enjoy the process. And the process is from you know day in day out training and cardio and dieting and eating food that doesn't fucking taste very good. So if you can make it taste a little better, great. But there's there's a big big difference between adding a little bit and adding a lot. Of, another one that um, gets me going sometimes is people go crazy on Walden Farms oh, syrup. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get away. I know Matt used to be big on that. You know, I'm not quite never questioned Matt's reputation as far as getting people into condition and, and himself and everything else. That, that's just not not uh you can't question that that just need you know it is what it is but i've had clients who literally they tell me later that they're using a half a bottle of of this there is an extreme there and i think that there does need to be some balance if you use a little bit for flavor that's one thing i always say if you're flavoring your food with something okay if you're flavoring if you're using the food to flavor the shit that you, yeah. you know you're adding chicken to a whole shitload of sugar-free barbecue sauce or or you know a little sugar ketchup then then yeah that's probably not the best route to go yeah i didn't even think of this but yeah if you're using like a half a bottle of that stuff a day this makes sense tanya said and it's expensive after a while sweeteners don't mm -hmm. bother my digestion but earlier this year she cut them out 
and it reduced her grocery grocery bill. I didn't think about it because I was thinking while I read that, like, damn, she must have been using a lot of Splenda. But I guess those sugar-free sweetener bottles of yeah. ketchup and everything, that stuff does add up. And mm-hmm. you make a good point, Skip. At the end of the day, if you are dieting, you have to embrace hunger. You know, you can – if you're dieting, you're you're creating a void physically – because you're not putting the same amount of food in your system anymore. And that leaves kind of like an emotional void too. Like, and I'll tell you what, man, I can tell you this stuff, but I, and I'm not in a deficit by far from it. But when I do go back into a deficit, there's going to be a couple of weeks there that hurt at first because I'm not used to being hungry. You gotta, you gotta eventually kind of like have acceptance for the fact that you're dieting acceptance for your situation and come to learn that that's like just, part of it and i think that the sweeteners are a way to run from that instead of trying to fill it look for acceptance you know you know it's funny if you want to get by or handle or deal with hunger better just go into an off season where you have to force feed yourself to gain (laughs) weight yeah and you'll be happy as shit when it comes time to cut the calories back and it won't be so bad i would much rather be hungry than stuffed and miserable Oh, no question. It, oh, it's man. funny. It's like I uh, I totally forgot about Walden Farms that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. And now, now it's like it's coming back like, oh, people use like the jars of the Walden Farms peanut butter. It's like it's zero calories. Yeah. I think like probably the most dangerous thing is the spray butter. It's like, yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. zero calories, but it's 900 a bottle. So it's like, yeah, yeah. OK, so zero and 900. And you like had those videos of. Dexter Jackson cooking fish, and he'd unscrew it, and he'd pour the the butter into the pan. That's Dexter Jackson, right? right? But that's an, I was right. going to say the same. That's the <laughs> easy one. I'm not We're saying not Dexter. Get away with that. Right, he right. Cooking, he was cooking fish, so it's like that didn't have much fat, but it's like crap sunflower oil nonsense, and then right. you know probably right. 300 calories of it in his his. Man. Now you're not Dexter Jackson. You can't get away with that. That's that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. No. We, I'm not going to tell. I don't think any of us are going to tell Vince Taylor. You probably shouldn't be eating <laughs> shrimp baskets. So right, right. catch up. You know, right. or, you, or you could be leaner and better than you are. <laughs> you shouldn't tell like Flex Wheeler. He shouldn't be eating whole apple pies instead of the apple pies. <laughs> right. You know, right. Exactly. That old story. Jeremy Carver knew what I was talking about, by the way. That product was called J Flex. I actually went and looked it up because uh-huh. I was like, I got it, I gotta know. And he's already taking it. So I guess that was useless information I shared. That <laughs> leave it he, leave it to the listeners to help us out though. Right? Because right. they're they're pretty helpful when it comes to that. No, we have we have some pretty intelligent people listening to the shows, there's no question. Um well, far more intelligent than the people presenting the show. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. That was a given. a given. Except for except for Nelson. I did have some random I wanted to tell Skip. Oh, so yeah. I don't know like if the dots have been connected, but technically I am a product of Skip. So you guys, you do kind of have like a little darker complexion. Well, that- <laughs> Dad, um, um, you took on Phil Viz for free. And when you did, you told him to pay it forward. And he was, he took me on, like, he called me one night, like two in the morning. I was his client. He's like, I want to make you apprentice. He's like, I want to take you through this. Um, I think that you can, you know, be a, a good coach or effective coach. And so he did that for me for two years. 
Holy shit. And, uh, like when he like and you know didn't charge me anything for that. Um help me out. I wouldn't be where I am without him, period. Um but wow. one of the things he constantly told me um was he was only where he was because of you and the reason I was being I, I got what I got and the me like getting business in this industry and anything, it's because he got that opportunity and he told was told to pay it forward and I am his pay it forward. So Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's um I won't I don't want to say too much because I don't want to choke on my tongue. That is incredibly flattering to hear though, because Scott, you've heard me say a lot of times, we're what we're doing is not it's not that important in the bigger picture. And people always correct me and tell me, and I'm like, no, it's just, it's just, it's a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Yes, it's thing, but we could all go without doing what we're doing if we needed to. But to hear things like that, that I, that I did have some sort of an impact then on Phil and for that to get passed on, that is incredibly flattering. And I'm glad that you said that. I appreciate it. Wow. I, uh, so, I mean, I really appreciate it. Obviously a lot of, what he's i mean he speaks extremely highly of you and every time you're mentioned it's it's like i would be nothing without skip hill period Damn. um you know so um yeah it's i have a job because of you that's that's cool that's very flattering i didn't please know that move on. please move on though scott <laughs> I, I, well i didn't know that i just knew i was like i know that you guys would get along oh skip's gonna cry <laughs> no but it is, it is. I get it. I, it's yeah. the industry. The ind industry is not like that. It's not, and it needs to be. It just needs, it needs people who, who give credit and, and can pass things on and can, can do the right thing and, and just be solid people. And sometimes I focus on the negativity because it's always there. It's so obvious. Yeah. So it's a really, really nice change um to hear that so i really do appreciate it that is very cool that's cool i i knew you guys would get along but i didn't connect i didn't know that i just i just sensed it so yeah yeah, yeah. it was, it was well, very cool yeah. good spidey senses <laughs> all right let's see so i don't even know what this is i'm just gonna start reading and see what happens dakota says uh i have a very important one for a friend hmm I like yeah. when people start that for a friend. <laughs> he feels very fatigued after his first two cycles um, all the time, even while on TRT. He is taking raloxifene. He is taking raloxifene, but uh, fatigue is so bad it's worth visiting a doctor. Uh, what could this be? Other topics are exact. Oh, that's he's got other questions too. But... So he's, he obviously, it sounds like he didn't have this fatigue before he ran gear. He's on TRT now. He ran two cycles and now he's on TRT. I, I don't know. You know what I would say? He, he, oh, you, I got something because I know that none of us could possibly know without, you know, like even if we saw blood work, we're, we're not doctors. We could speculate. Right. We've seen things happen. And I can tell you one thing I've seen. So 2017, I dieted from February to November. And yes, I was on cycle that entire time. And by the end, I felt a great deal of fatigue. That lasted into 2018. And I even found myself like nodding out. And I thought for sure it had to be my thyroid. So I eventually went and got my thyroid checked. It wasn't my thyroid. But I'm telling you guys, this was bad. Like I'd be doing a podcast with Scott Stevenson 
and I'd be like literally nodding out. Like, God, what a slam on Scott. I know. Horrible <laughs> I know. I know. Well, here's the thing is because like with us, we have an interaction where we're talking a lot. But with Scott, it's like listening to a lecture for an hour sometimes, you know, because he's got like all these. I'm just there to yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the guy words who, like, none of us understand. Yeah. I yeah. Click in the slides. Yes, like, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's my job. I'm that guy. Yes, sir. Uh, slide B. Yes. Got it. Yeah. But like and I'm not tired. But this would happen all the time. I'd be at work, sitting here at the desk, and I'd just like start nodding out. So guess what it was? My vitamin D. I had low D. Whoa. And it's because that you will, you as a steroid user, even he's on TRT, as a TRT user, you can have depleted vitamin D levels. I took uh, 5,000 milligrams of vitamin D. You, you want to use it with K2. And instantly, like that day, that oh, wow. day, it left the fog left me there's no oh. question in my mind it was a literal game changer so i would say definitely has get his d levels checked has nothing to do with your pale face get some sun son. <laughs> I, I live in the basement so i do have i do have this this light by the way this is uh it's kind of a little pro tip this is a daylight balance light which i can't get it to come on right now but this is uh this actually is like a high kelvin temperature light so if you do not get a lot of light if you live in a place like i do like detroit where the sunlight's really poor you're inside a lot all that it it doesn't improve like your d levels but it will help in a lot of ways with like seasonal effective and all that stuff um yeah do you guys have any thoughts on this one yeah it's out of my wheelhouse I mean, I, you yeah. said what I was going to say from a medical standpoint, but irresponsible me to even think that I could, you know, even just to give some input. I mean, I understand what you're doing. We're, we're trying to be helpful. But um, at the same time, I think you did the right thing. You need to go see a doctor. And, you know, admittedly, we all know how that goes. Sometimes general practitioners, they don't know shit or they don't know. They don't have the answers. Let me say that. Let me completely take that back and rephrase it. They clearly know shit. And every single one of them <laughs> is smarter than I am. So let me make that very clear. My point, though, in saying that is a lot of times general practitioners know a little bit about a lot of things. So yeah. he may even have to end up seeing a specialist and hopefully his GP will do that. Now, his GP might have an answer for him. And if that's the case and he can read something out of the blood panel, that's great. We read blood panels from a bodybuilding perspective, not a medical. And a lot of us need to be reminded of that. While we're, the large majority of us are not medical professionals, we read them based on our experience of what we've seen in blood panels with ourselves and with clients over the years, but strictly from a progress uh, standpoint when it comes to bodybuilding. Outside of that, I, I can't say, even though I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of blood panels, I can't say that I would be able to see anything in that blood panel that I'd be able to say, oh yeah, that's it. In fact, I don't even think that I knew that vitamin D deficiency could lead to a uh, situation like yours that you had, Scott. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's tied in heavily with the immune system. And I, I do want to say in the just so that I feel better about it. Vitamin D deficiency right now in the middle of COVID is not something you want. True. It true. just isn't. They just, I just saw a study the other day that backed up over 80% of the COVID patients who were hospitalized in the study that they did had vitamin C deficiencies. Now mm. that does not mean that they got COVID because they had the deficiency there, but there's some connection there, whether the sickness or illness or something else caused it. But the fact that 80% of them had vitamin D deficiency says something. Now, the large majority of the population is also vitamin D deficient too. So, you know, take it for what it's worth, but it's such a simple, relatively cheap 
supplement to take anyway. There's real no real good reason uh, to not use it in the first place. Uh, but as far as I don't think I really have anything of value, honestly, to add to the uh, to this guy's particular situation. Unfortunately, it would just be a, a, a guess. OK, we do have plenty of other questions. But Nelson, do you have anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you said vitamin D. I'm like, oh, that's a good answer. Freaking, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't know. But like, I literally was gonna be like, hey, man, I don't know, get blood work. I yeah, mean, that's that's all you can say, because yeah, like it doesn't even. You know it, who's really good at this? So much there, you know. You know who's really good mm-hmm. at this kind of thing? If if he goes to his doctor, his doctor can't figure it out. He could hire Victoria Felcar. She's really good at analyzing lab work to the point where. You, you can see like a lot of like I see everybody say like, oh, I'll read your labs now. And like, I mean, even guys like on YouTube who are 19 years old will read your labs for you. And anybody can see right. if you're in range or out of range or high or right, low. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, your AST is high. So you should take some Tutka, you know. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you can see. And, and I've learned a little bit of this, but it's far like I know enough to know I know very little. Let's put it that way. I know enough to know how much how little a lot of people know. You can see patterns within like certain things that look elevated versus certain things that are still in range, but on the lower end and all these things together start telling different stories. That right. that stuff I can't do, but Victoria Falcar can. So you can reach out to yeah, her and do a phone. consultation. My phone just went off. I got a text from Victoria and it started off with you dumb motherfucker. How can you? So I'm not going to press on it to see what else it says because I don't what? think it's very positive. <laughs> After my doctor comment. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, he did it's it. funny. I'm so my, my, wife, that up. my wife's actually a doctor. She's sitting over there, but I'm wearing headphones. So we, let's ah, get why you. do we have Nelson on the show? I know. Why am I on this show? Let's get <laughs> let's get Nelson's wife. That's she's the right, one. Exactly. What is, what does she do? Uh, she, I mean, she's a doctor. She's a, a family medicine doctor. Family so medicine. She's she's a real doctor, a real live doctor. And Damn. if she was on TV, she would play one on TV. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, yeah. all right. Uh, he did have some other stuff here. He asked about what was that protein? Um, he says. Uh, why eating more protein than your body can absorb uh would that he says exactly why eating more protein that your body can absorb would help growing muscle that's not really a sentence well Uh, is is it better to skip it for kidney health there's already like i feel like you're assuming that your body can't absorb it right so yep well put um and what does he think that is? Does he think that he can assume 35 grams and he can't assume unconsumed or Let's say absorb, 37? Yeah. 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 Right. You know, or yeah, is the, it the, the other component you know, of that too, is the fact that even if it's not used from a protein standpoint, uh, the body will convert. It's always going to be absorbed in some fashion. Right. So you're all, you know, and I cut in, I apologize. Um, I just think that the, in this particular case, I think it needs to be clear that, so that people understand if you just if you are getting more protein than you than your body actually needs from a protein standpoint your body will essentially convert it through gluconeogenesis anyway into a carbohydrate or into an energy source but or it wants to before it'll store it as fat you can't do that the other way around with carbs i think that's uh, sometimes what 
people miss but you make a good point right. at what point i mean i remember hearing that you know well, you can't eat this is years ago yeah but you know, you're not your body isn't going to process or use more than 25 grams of protein well there's just too many people <laughs> that are right. big and they take a lot of protein i mean it really doesn't have to go much further than that not that even look answer the question but i'm saying the, the, the yeah. concept of it even looking at the people who take in let's say 300 grams of protein and then they bump it to 450 and they start growing faster. Mm. Like, okay, mm. well, then you have to at least assume that some people can do it, you know? And, and while, yeah, that might not be everybody, it's like you might not be able to take in 500 grams of protein and, and grow awesome. Maybe you just get super bloated and you, you know, can't digest it very well. I, right. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a big assumption there. Um, so I don't, I don't really know if that addresses like the question for real, but. I would just say that you probably can absorb more than you think or, and assimilate more than you think. Yeah. Um, right. And you're going to like, like Skip said, you're going to use it anyway. What, so would you rather underdo your protein hmm. or have right. a little extra and have it convert? How much know? protein does Martin eat? Uh, more than most. He has uh, 10 ounces in every meal. There you go. Um, so, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, I can't tell you body fat. It's like his glutes are in. He's 250 yeah. pounds, you know, so um, his his quads are strided from top to bottom still. He has veins in his butt. And I mean, he eats seven meals and it'll be around 10 ounces every meal, you know. So, so Martin needs a lot of protein. Um, part of it was I saw that as I increased it, he just got better. He just got better. Um, and really the only time when we pull his protein down is close to a show, you know. So, but he, I mean, he also eats a lot of carbs and a lot of fat. So right. homeboy just eats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but if you break it down, I mean, he takes in more calories. So then the ratios, if you take somebody with a, a weaker metabolism, right. his macro ratios are going to be comparable to what the person who has yep. the worst, not yeah. as good of a metabolism. It's just different rate or same ratios, different caloric intake. Now, right. Scott, going back to what the guy said, asking the question, the last thing he said is important to note. He was tying that question in, though, to kidney health as well. And I just want to say this because I think this is important. It's still, I think, highly misunderstood. Last I checked, and this was only a few months ago, there has not been one study that has said that there is a connection between high protein intake and kidney um, function or problems with the kidney unless there's a pre-existing condition and then it can exacerbate. I was running condition into <laughs> exacerbate and it didn't work but the point being is you need to watch your protein intake and sometimes i'll have clients who will say this i just had one recently and i'm not knocking him but i want to use this as an example he he wanted to keep his protein low because that was his concern but he had no indication mm. of any type of uh kidney issue the blood work kidneys it seemed to be fine but he said that it ran in his family. Now, listen, if a client comes to me, and I'm not speaking about any other trainer, anybody else can handle it the way they want to. But if a client comes to me and says that, I will tell them that based on my research and what I know, that there is no, you know, they don't correlate. One, the protein does not cause, or they haven't proven that protein causes any type of kidney issues. But I'm not going to argue with them on it. If that's something, because if I did, and I was able to, talk them into doing it and they had any type of problem down the road, yeah. it would be irresponsible 
clearly I would be blamed for that. And I don't want that on my conscience. I wouldn't want to deal with that. So I accommodate them at that point and we'll keep the, the protein lower for that reason. You know, your clients have to be comfortable and you have to be comfortable with the protein intake you're taking in, whether you're worried about it or not worried about it. But here we go, though. Like Dave Kalik was on the last episode and he said there's a direct relationship between muscle mass and protein intake. You know, Martin is eating 10 ounces per meal. I'm not saying that everybody should go out and eat 10 ounces per meal, but I, I do believe that protein is harder to eat. It's not as fun and sexy as Dave Kalik would say. It's not the sexy answer, but it's it's not as fun to eat you know, 10 ounces of protein per meal as it would be to eat another carb of rice with every meal, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult, but at the end of the day, you know, he looked better. Martin looked better when you guys increased the protein and that was the answer. So I do no just, yeah. I do want to lean into that a little bit that, you know, it, it, you, you do have to be comfortable with what you're doing, but the the food we eat, it's not always going to be fun. And I do believe that there is truth to this, that, that, the increasing protein could probably be beneficial for a lot of us. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that you need to do it, but if your protein is lower, if you're not pushing it, then at least I want people to at least be aware of that and consider that it could potentially be an answer for you. So, absolutely. If I, you're going to err on the side of caution, you're going to if you're going to increase any one of the macros, it's yeah. safer to increase the protein than than the other two. Yeah. Safer, safer think, like, let, let me, from a health yeah. standpoint as far or from a growth standpoint, I'm sorry, I'm getting my words turned around, but but based on growth and progress, you're better off erring on the side of increasing protein because you're less likely to use the pro or to store the protein as body fat versus fat. If you just you know eat too much fat, you don't need it. There's not much, you know, the body doesn't have much to do with it outside of providing for an energy source of protein. There's just more options there. Sorry, Nelson. Go ahead, man. No, you're good. I think, I just think it's been a lot more popular over the past couple of years to eat lower protein. Hmm. And so hmm. a lot more people are doing like, I don't know, let's say you're a 200 pound bodybuilder. Cause that makes everything easy. It's like six ounces of protein. It's like you're 200 pounds, man. It's like six ounces in a cup of rice. Like you're pretty hungry. That ain't much, yeah. you know, so I'm not like necessarily prescribing, like you must eat eight, but you, I, it definitely feels more appropriate. I would say for someone that size to be eating a little more, you know, right. especially mm -hmm. if, um, you, if you ascribe to like, you know, eat on the trajectory of where you want to be, yes. you know, if you're trying, if you're trying to grow, eat to that size. So let's say I'm, you know, or I, I'm 220, so I want to be 250. It's like, am I going to eat? It's like what I've been eating since I was 200 pounds to get to 220, or do I need to eat a little more to be 220 to 240 or 235? And then I take the next step, right. and I take the next step. You know, so. All right, I got one pulled up here. We, I figured training would be a good place to go. Best way to do a deload for a prog progressive overload type trainer. Oh, that's quite a, a broad. <laughs> um, let's see. Let me try to put some parameters around. I'll see if Nelson agrees. Um, because there's a million ways to deload. Um, I, there's two, well, there's, and there's two main ways. You can either 
train, train light, or not train at all. Uh, and I always say that if you if you're taking your deloads proactively, and you should, then you should obviously still continue to train. You just cut back on the intensity. You don't train to failure. You cut. You leave a couple, and I don't like it, but it, you do it for a reason. You leave reps in the tank. Um, you, you use the same volume. If you're going to increase your volume but decrease your intensity, it's not much of a deload. You don't change your nutrition, in my opinion, because you, if you're going to drop calories because you're not training as hard, then you're kind of cutting into your recovery at that point by not providing the same amount of, of um, calories for, for recovery. Um, but the other reason – or the those are the two main reasons to do, or that I went to the proactive one, the reactive one where you don't train, you shouldn't get to, but that's when you have <laughs> nagging injuries. You don't have the motivation to train. Your hunger has gone to shit. You're just in a, you're, you're, you're basically further into an overtrained state than you should be. When you take a deload the right way, you shouldn't be overtrained yet. You should be starting to feel like, okay, yeah, my body's getting starting to feel like, okay. that's, but yeah, you're not yeah. there yet. And so when you take it proactively. It's funny because then you come back off the deload and not only do you feel like a million bucks, but you're typically stronger. And that's a real good way to come on. People will say, well, I held back for the first week because, you know, I didn't, no, you don't hold back. God damn. Your joints feel like a million bucks that you've only, all you did was train lighter for a week. You still, you still trained. It's not like you went on vacation and you were drunk for six days. Right. So come back and bang that first week. I mean, move, move some shit, pick up the extra few reps. If you can pick up the extra 10 pounds, you know, on your bench or your dumbbell presses or, or whatever you're doing. So this and last take advantage month, Skip, of that. I, I, that? Just, I wanted to jump in just to give like an actual example. This last month I kept getting stronger and stronger and I've kind of, I, I got, I did my chest workout today and I still progressed by one rep but I can feel that it's time. Like last week I thought, eh, maybe I need to back off now. I did my, my most I've ever done in my life. Then this week I thought, well, let's see if I can do it again. And I was able to match what I did last week and add one rep on my second set. But it, I can feel it. My shoulder didn't feel as good. I'm not at a point where I need to stop, but I'm going to, my deload is going to look like this. So if with the dumbbell incline press, I got 115s for 10, and then I got the 110s for 10. That was the most I've ever done. I'm going to go back to like the hundreds next time. And I'm going to go for, I'm going to try to push higher reps. I don't care how many I get, but just not lifting as much weight is going to be a break for me. I know that it's you mean for the deload. Yeah, for the deload. Okay. Yeah. See, I would cut. Okay. Fair enough. I would cut back more. But again, this yeah. is a personal thing too. And you've been training for a long time. So you know how to how these deloads work for you where I know how they work for me. The question being asked is probably they're asking the question because they don't really understand the parameters around it. So you and I can figure that Nelson can figure that out. They, he knows how, you know, how much he has to cut back to. It's going to be different for everybody. I was just trying to give basically just like an example or a rough estimate. Yeah. And you make a good point. If you're not working in that heavy of a range and just backing off that, that, small amount i consider it a small amount but if it works for you then that's cool it may not work for somebody else and you know and that sort of thing it, it's yeah my goal is to hit for ways it's a hard one to answer for that 15 pounds though for me that's a good drop you know what i mean i mean i could go yeah. even even lighter but i mean there's different ways to do it i know some people are 
some people are going to reps in reserve. I can't, I can't do that. Like it's very difficult to do, but if you're still <laughs> training to failure, then my argument would be, and I'm not saying you're wrong, make yeah. no mistake. Cause you know what works for you. But if you're still training to failure, I consider that still to be very close to the equal amount of stress on your CNS at whether you're at nine reps or you're at 15 reps. If you're going to failure, you're going to failure. That to me yeah. isn't much of a deload. That's just me. I feel like because I'm not lifting as much weight, it's not as stressful on me. Okay. I, right. I, 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 and I'll play with this. I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that this is like the answer. This is, but this is what I'm trying. Cause this is new. Yeah. It's new to me. I'm not, I'm not somebody who's done a lot of deloading. I'm somebody who's gone in the gym and lifted as much as I could every time I've trained yeah. for my entire career is, you know, I use that word career loosely, but you know, my entire right. time bodybuilding, that's what I've always done. So for me in, in intentionally reducing to a weight, that's not going to be hard to lift. It's, you know, it, it it's going to be a lot easier on everything. You know, my joints, it's going to be easier on my, my psyche. You know, I feel like it'll be a lot less to handle, but I guess that's, so that's my option though, is like, I feel like that or not going completely to failure, you know, leaving a few reps in the tank. I know that's what a lot of people are doing. Martin, or excuse me, Martin, uh, Nelson, what do you, what do you think, man? <laughs> I knew I was going to do that at some point. I no. <laughs> what I uh what what I do you think what do you think overall though about about like the the reps and yeah. reserve idea? It's funny is like I uh, I I I usually say like yeah, train like a gifted pro. Um you know, it's like go in there and just just pump some stuff because I've done it the other way where it's been reactive. Hmm. You know, I I push myself to absolute the brink of obliteration and then I still try to push and then it just injuries are happening and I feel like crap and I don't want to go. And the whole time it's like your training, it just becomes disappointing. It's like, I miss this lift. I miss this lift. Um, right. So really now it's like once it, I feel it coming on and it's really strong, I just stop focusing on the weight. So even mm. like, Oh, I'm going to come cut back 15 pounds. I don't even think about it. Okay. So I, I went, I, I just, I pick up some dumbbells. I go up to what's like moderately heavy let's say I do eight to 10 reps, I'm, I might be able to get 15 with it, but I'm getting good. I'm making sure I'm getting good contractions. I'm getting a good pump. Um, and really that's, that's more of what I'm concerned with that week. It's like, I want to get a good pump. I like which, that. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like so, so for some people, that's just how they train. So, but I mean, you get a good pump and you walk out feeling good. You shouldn't walk out feeling like, God, that workout kicked my ass. It yeah. shouldn't be like yeah. that. It should be like, okay, that was pretty good refreshing it. you know it's like yeah. you kind of like are teetering on the edge of like i'm not tired should i've done more it's like perfect then yeah, walk out right. walk out i you like know, that you did whether it's you know chest you normally do four exercises do four exercises but you know you don't have to you know i, I pull back volume too so if i'm let's say i do two max effort sets and a back off i'm i might just i, I work my way up i take time with feeder sets i do one top set i'm done with that exercise i move on yeah. You know, and it's, it's only for a week. It's only for a week. So you do that next week, you come back, you're ready to murder. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at when I say how much I'm going to do. It's almost yeah. like I'm I'm guesstimating right now. It could be yeah. 95. It could be 90, you know, but but basically something that doesn't scare me, something that I can put up and kind of have fun with it really and not have to not have to worry as much. We're like, fuck, this is going to be the hardest thing I ever did, you know? Right. 
Yeah. They can be fun workouts, I think, because huh. you train you train long enough. This is how I look at it. You guys tell me if you feel the same way or if you agree. Maybe you don't look at it the same way. But I know when I do deload, as much as I would rather not, I'd rather go in and bang every single time. Boy, do I have fun with them because there's less anxiety. Things don't have to be I'm, I'm very much a perfectionist. Like, you know, I can move a little quicker. Yeah. I can just, you know, I can. And yet the time in between sets isn't is important. I get a pump. It's funny that you say the pump because I tell my clients basically just go in. I call I say use what's called fluff fluff exercises. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time too to play around with new exercises that you might not have used or you haven't used in a long time. Mm. Try out a different mm. angle on something, play around a little bit because you're not trying to put up huge numbers, you're not going to failure so that risk there's not as much of a vulnerability there if you're not familiar with a new exercise. Yeah. And you may come out of a deload going, "Damn, those two exercises I did. I huh. think I'm going to put those into my next class." And you should come back the next week after a deload not just that day but towards the end of your deload you should be like damn i can't wait to get in there and rip it up on monday yeah you know, that that type of mentality and that's why when you come back you should be ready to go if you're not and you're still lacking motivation damn y'all y'all are trained <laughs> yeah that's typically the case anyway yeah. yeah i like that i like that what kind of volume uh do you do nelson for your training um it's funny it's it's changed a lot over the years but as of now, really, it's very low. Um, probably the the highest volume that I do out of anything would be like arms, because really I don't go very heavy for arms. Yeah, I kind of get get a pump. I I push things to failure, um, but but with let's say chest, I probably do six to eight working sets. Okay. Um, then with legs, if it. it Legs is probably yeah right around eight, like I'll, like legs the other day. It's like we we did two sets on a unilateral hammer strength like press. Um, this is after warm up that took forever. Um, then we go to like hack squat, uh, and we did one working set and then a window maker. Um, we did just some unilateral hamstring curls, get blood in there. I didn't really count that for anything. And then we did one set of stiff legs. And then we did two sets of adductor, gone, hmm. you know? And I got to tell you, we did it on Wednesday. Yesterday, I got out of uh, my friend's Jeep, and it's kind of like a little drop because it's, you know, as a, a four-inch lift. My legs were still so sore getting out of that Jeep <laughs> yeah. from Wednesday, you know? And so that was Saturday. Wrecked me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny that, um, that it's I, – I don't know. I, I guess – I, I used to be afraid to go that low. And I think that's, that's a lot of people's mentality. They, they think, mm -hmm. oh, it's not enough. I have more. Right. Mm -hmm. but it's like, just put more into one set. You won't want to do another set. When I'm done right. with a set of like, like a Widowmaker set of hack squats, I'm done. That's it. I do not want to train another exercise. Yeah. I want to go home and take a nap. That's it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, once people like once a a, or a bodybuilder or whoever a trainer starts training in that manner it's hard to go back to the other way of training you know right um because it's hard it's hard to look at like oh yeah five sets of ten it's like god five sets i will never i'll never finish five sets of one exercise you know yeah yeah i think it's funny too because there will be people who listen 
and they'll be thinking, oh man, you know, that's really low. Or Scott, Scott, you have even lower volume than that. They may be thinking, oh, I go, I go to failure and I can't, I don't have that type of feel. Like I'm not going to be sore. There's a difference between taking a set to yeah. failure when you've trained for two years or even four years. Then sure. if you've trained your ass off for 10, 12 years, there's a big, big difference. It'll look on the surface to be the same. It was failure. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't go past failure. But right. there's a different connection and there's a you're going to a different place. It's and it's yeah. very, very hard to explain. You a lot of people won't even understand it until they advance and then they'll look back and go, Oh shit, that's what they were yeah. talking about. Holy it's day and it, night. It's, it's just day and night. It's funny because it's like I know some people say like like some people have a switch and they can flip it, and if you don't have it, you don't have it. But I personally think it's like some people have the switch. Those people are crazy, you know, and they'll be able to train hard their whole life. Those people definitely exist. Um, but I think in, intensity can be taught and it can mm. be learned, but it takes time. Um, you're, 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 you're not going to learn that day one. Um, mm. And what you learn day one, be it intense for you, it's not going to match your intensity on year three. Like you said, and when you hit right. year 10, you're going to be looking back at every um, like year down the road. You'll be like, oh, I was training like a baby. So I was just I was just playing right. around, you know. Yeah. So I, I do think it's like obviously it's like as your training age grows, um, your intensity, I mean, or it, it should be getting you should always be able to look back and be like, oh, I'm, I'm much better at training now. Yeah, I train right. uh, w- whether it be. With, with better form, I train with better contractions. My intensity is far surpasses what it did, you know? Because um, it's funny, uh, in uh, my first year of college, I remember my roommate, he was the one who introduced me to, to training. Uh, and he had the Dorian Yates blood and gut split right now. <laughs> and I'm like, this is one set. I'm not doing this. And even when we did it, I got nothing out of it. Yeah, yeah, and right. I was just like, I'm like, I'm Dorian Yates doesn't impress me. It's like clearly he didn't know what he was doing. You know, it's just, it's just like just just nonsense, absolute nonsense. And I I still remember that. And you know, obviously I couldn't have gotten anything out of one set of six to eight. I didn't know how to push. And even when you know someone's helping me get the reps up, you don't have like the neurological connection to be able to right. do that on your first year of training to be able to grind mm-hmm. through three reps that you're pulling out of your butt. You know, yeah, um, like right. these these like these Michaela Acock reps, you know, where it's like, it looks like she's done and then she does another and she ends up getting 12 more than you thought she was going to get. It's like, and they look the same. They look the same too. That's the thing. The last rep looks like the first rep. It might be slower, but there's no break in form. You don't have a, and and that's another thing that people don't understand. There's a lot to it, but I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's cool stuff, man. It, it, and you can't. We've. It's something that I've always wanted. Always wanted to be able to have like in depth conversations about his intensity. And I feel like I, on the podcast, and I feel like we're yeah. we're getting closer. Maybe it's that I understand it better. But it's such an abstract thing. I guess it's just something. And I guess you know, too. I I I started thinking about a girl that I work with. Shout out to Jennifer, who she used to just like she used to just take the weight and just like freaking whip it like these in, in in she'll forgive me for this but like on the she loves doing uh seated cable rows 
And there was a time that like it was a full body movement. And at one point, like after she figured it out, she was like, yeah, OK, that makes sense. Because my hamstrings used to get pumped when I would do seated cable rows, yeah. you know, <laughs> but she got it. It clicked. And that's why I think I can talk about this now. She got it and it clicked. Yeah. And I and I think for her going in the gym and being able to not think being able to just like unleash was an important part of training for her. And for me to tell her like that you needed to engage the act, the muscle, you're, all that stuff, the, the muscle you're trying to train, that that was like it was limiting to her. You know, she it, it took away from the fun, but it took, I think, getting back to the basics of understanding that so that she could now, like you said, uh, engage those things in in and build up the the neurological connection so that one day she will be able to take it to that level because yeah i think about you know what was intense to me when i was a kid in my basement listening to acdc tapes and just like just heaving the weight up you know i got hurt a lot back then and now i know why because i was like really intense but at the time, though, my idea of intensity was like probably just using like everything I had to continue mm-hmm. curling. it. I would probably cringe if I could look back at my sets now, you know, what I did then, because it is it is such a, a different thing. Yeah, I don't know. Skip, what's your uh, what's your gym situation like now? You said you got a you got a key already. You talked you talked to this guy into giving you a key. You're like, oh, I'd really like to train here, but I don't know. Maybe if I had a key or something. Is that, is that well, how that conversation credit, went? <laughs> I got to give credit to my friend, uh, Dr. Fragus Kakis. Yes. A good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, and um, he kind of middlemaned it because he knows the guy and he trained there for a while. I couldn't bring myself to ask him because I don't know the guy. I try to put myself in his position. Yeah. I wouldn't give a key to my gym to mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, I wouldn't do that. So I talked to him about the time, see, you know, maybe after, you know, now that COVID was kind of, I say, winding up i guess maybe it's not or winding down but um if they would go back to the regular hours and that's not going to be anytime soon so i tried to touch base on to see if maybe he might if i told him i would pay him well for you know for (laughs) them to be open longer things like that and um, his idea of lucrative was just a little bit different than mine and i thought (laughs) mine was pretty lucrative but nonetheless uh i respect the fact that it's his house and it's his business yeah um, there's a lot of other expenses and stuff so i just kind of wrote it off as i got to find another gym which sucked because i'd have to train in boca and i don't live in boca and it's just uh i gotta get my wife to drive there things like that so i'm trying to accommodate my wife at the same time because if i don't train with her she's not going to train that's just the reality of it. So anyway, uh, my buddy, Dr. Fragus Kakis, he kind of middlemaned it. And he just flat out asked him if he would be uh, the owner, if he would be interested in doing it. So he was willing to sit down and talk with me. And uh, at first thought I was maybe just some young young kid who he didn't want in there messing around. And when he saw I was just an old guy who lives a boring life that just wants to train and train with his wife, he was open to it. It's, it's mm. one of those lucky fortunate situations where I wouldn't have done it. If I owned the gym, I wouldn't have done it because I wouldn't want anybody in there uh, during off, you know, off hours. It's just something else to worry about. But I told him, you know, that I would respect the fact that it's his house. I would treat it like it was mine and I would make sure that it, you know, everything that I got out would be put up. I only needed a couple lights on things like that. And he was down for it. So I'm pretty excited because I'm going to start there tomorrow it's very well equipped and again the atmosphere won't matter because i'm the only myself and my wife are going to be the only ones 
there. I don't want to mention the name of the gym because I don't want other people to call them up and go, wait a minute. Let me get I want to be able to take yeah. that time too. Can yeah. I get a key? Uh, but I was pretty happy for that. And, and it's just one of those situations that you just kind of get lucky with. He didn't know who I was. It's not like I, I'm skip bitch. Give me a fucking key. And he's like, Oh shit, <laughs> I had no idea. It you. you know, it's not, it wasn't anything like he didn't, he didn't know me from Adam. So I, it was more my buddy. Um, Petros, who helped you know help me out in this situation, I was very grateful for that and very appreciative. So I'm excited about it. That's cool, man. And you're yeah. and where are you now? West Palm Beach. I'm looking. Uh, well, I can look down. Sixteen floors, right next to me. About if I was two, about three feet over, I would fall sixteen stories. But we we're right downtown. It's beautiful down here, and my wife uh, is just beside herself. Loves her new job, and I love the place. But it's just very stressful moving. Yes. Oh. Yes. I sleep with one eye open because I know that bitch wants to snuff me out. I have not been fun to be around. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> so you're uh, you're not uh, you're not a, a you're not a fun mover, huh? I don't like change. That's what it is. I get very very anxious. You're like it's that's why you're a cat person. Or, that's why you're a cat person. No Cats don't move well either. How are they doing? <laughs> um, Zuri had a violent seizure oh, uh, in her kennel. Yeah, when we were moving her, and my wife thought she died. Um, it was horrible. She's very anxious and skittish anyway, and it, it it just it sucked. Now, once they got here, they love it because it's all glass. So I put those perches up, and I got new shit to put on the walls so they can walk on the fucking walls. And it's just stupid, but I love it. So they like it because they can see everything and they can sun themselves on their little perches and stuff. But um, it's cool, you know. It's a nice change. I like it once we get settled in, but it's only been a week. You put together furniture. You you get pissed because your internet won't come up. I'm trying to put the sound system together, and Sonos is a great sound system, but God damn it, is it complicated? And it just shouldn't be that complicated. You know I what? Wire, hardwire every fucking piece, dude, to get it to update and and surround. So I had to walk around with the phone doing this shit because I'm reads thinking the room and all that sort of, It's just a lot of shit. I bet if those windows open, cats are so agile. Like Zuri would have no fear of like walking on a two inch ledge at 16 stories up. She'd just be like That's out. That's why in the- I don't let her out. Right. They can't go on the balcony. It's yeah. too high up. And I, it, my wife was like, oh, nothing will happen. I'm like, you can't tell me nothing will happen. If something happened, I'm yeah. going to be looking at you like you got to be. They can't go out on the balcony here. We were only on the second floor at our other place. So we yeah. can do that. Yeah. But, but not here. It just it makes me cringe. And they can see everything anyway. They don't need to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been some uh, some good stuff. I'm glad that we could. I'd been we'd been trying to we've been trying to get this show together with Nelson for a while now. So I'm glad that we could uh, make this happen. We'll have to have you back on again. What's uh, what are the plans for Martin now? What are you guys doing? Uh, well, right now he um, he's kind of just going to be pushing in his off season for probably I don't know anywhere from. It's funny. This is a huge range, six to 18 months. Okay. So it, I really don't know. So um, he won as a heavyweight, and he's 250 now in the shape that he probably was around 235. So he's Damn. in excellent shape. Yeah. Like spectacular. Um, and so while I'm sure there are lots of people in his ear talk telling him, you need to do this show, you need to do this show. Mm-hmm. sometimes like when you're on a roll man just ride it out as long as you can and right now i feel like he's on a roll 
ever like he sends me pictures. I'm like, how are you? When is this going to stop? You're better <laughs> and better and better and better, and just like I don't, it's got to stop sometime for yeah. everyone else. It does, and you know, but he, he sends me pictures that are just so retarded. The boy is freaking exploding. Yeah, and the thing <laughs> is, he's young and he's healthy, so the sky is the limit. Um, he could have done Chicago right after. Yeah. Um, and honestly, he wouldn't have been lower than top three. I don't want to be like, I'm not disrespectful to anybody else, but just he's, he's a heavyweight. He was the top of the heavyweights. If he could have made 212, he would have been extremely, extremely hard to beat. And obviously those guys are awesome. I think Austin Carr was second and then, uh, when he on one, um, and they looked awesome. Um, but he's freaking big. Yeah. Scary big. So I don't know. I know there's been talks of Tampa, um, you know, the hardest freaking pro show that's right before the Olympia. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think that we really have a, a great real answer. We're just going to keep growing. Really, okay. it's like his, his, his packs have to be thicker. His, his back needs to be thicker to, I mean, cause his back, in the amateurs is phenomenal and his legs in the amateurs are phenomenal but now you get to stand with people who go to the olympia it's a little different yeah you know back back toward like you know you're the you know little fish in like the big pond you know the low man on the totem pole so i don't know but he's you do talk to him he's he's such a good kid he he loves bodybuilding so much. It's never one of those things where you're like, I don't know, because dealing with some people, I mean, and both of you guys, coach, so you both know, it's like dealing with some people who like are cl- climbing the ladder. It's it's a little tough to deal with them. Yeah, and he's oh, yeah. just the opposite. He's just the opposite. Man. Is he is he in your area? Are you guys close? No, no. So he lived in Wyoming for most of this, and he just moved to Denver. I thought so. so. That's why I, I, for some reason, I thought he was at Armbrust, but I wasn't sure. He only he recently has gotten there, though, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, um, yeah, that's so right I now. He's, he's, okay. he's Brett Wilkins' training partner. Um, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I'm like, so damn, I've seen, seen this cat. Where's this I mean, guy from? Yeah. Okay. I don't know when the last time you went to Armbrust was, but like Martin, Martin's picture is on the wall. Like, he was like they took pictures doing a hack squat set and he's like at the bottom of the hack squat like like just blowing out it was like just during training they had taken the picture and then like you know they sent it to dylan he's like oh blow that junk up put it on the wall so nice you know so but um yeah i mean god he's i i can't it's funny because he's a really good friend of mine and uh he blew past me which is ridiculous because i he was 19 when i met him and when we talk about people who progress quickly, holy crap, this kid just went from like, oh, hey, I, I, I like bodybuilding. I'd like to do a show to, well, now you're a pro and you're doing the open. Yeah. So, you know. Well, I don't know him, so I don't like him. <laughs> oh, well, I, understandable. I'm just, I'm playing. It's He's, that young kid thing. It's like, God damn, how you get such good genetics, which is not to take anything away. Cause I know right. he has worked his ass off, but it's like, damn, yeah. you picked your parents so much better than the rest of us prop to you. It's, oh it's, shit. It, it, it's so funny. Cause he, he, we joke about it all the time. It's just like, um, he, 
we can put anything in him and it just becomes positive nitrogen return. He just glows <laughs> and that's, that's, you know, it just is what it is. Um, and it's funny. So like a- after shows, usually, you know, he'll go eat something. I, I don't. So like, like he did the junior nationals a couple of years ago and he got like the deep dish Chicago pizza. Yeah. And I was in the room eating like egg, egg whites and Ezekiel toast. And it was like this last <laughs> one. He, like he went out with, you know, people and he's like, Hey man, it's like, come on. It's like, it, you know, he's like, that's the deal on my teams. Like everyone wants me to go eat. It's like, and I never go eat. So it's like, if it happens, it's like a big deal. Um, and so he's like, come on, you got to eat. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And, and literally I'm looking at him and I, I was dieting at the time too. And I'm like, freaking, if I go eat, I know tomorrow I'm going to look like dog shit. So I'm going to sit here. I'm going to eat cod and I'm going to do some cardio <laughs> and I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag team mortal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think there's windstraw in the water at Armbrus. I'm pretty sure. So there's something between, different there. Between him and Brett, good Lord. It's like yeah. just a, a bunch of freaks. Yeah. It's the place to be. Everybody go. I mean, it, that's the definition of Mecca, right? I mean, people want to be there. And yeah. They come from. They come from everywhere because they want to be there. So it's very electric there. There's no question. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. guys, let's get out of here. I'm uh, I'm on the verge of going hypo, if I want to be completely honest oh, with okay. you right now. So <laughs> I got to go eat some food. Um, we're glad to have you on, though, man. This has been fun. We'll have to have you back. And, Skip, I'm glad that everything has uh, has worked out with the move. Hope that Zuri's doing all right. Glad you got a gym set up and uh, glad to have you back on the show. We did have people who were like, we love having Dave, but what happened to Skip? Where did he go? So people will <laughs> well, be happy to see Contract negotiations. That's what it is. No, it is. It's very good to be back, too. It's been a rough um, three to four weeks anyway. And, of course, you know, I've always loved doing the show. We got uh, the 100th show coming up next, oh, do we not? Oh, shit. Yeah. I believe this is 99. Yeah, this is So I haven't been doing them, but I still keep track. Because I told you last <laughs> week. <laughs> you brought me on. I've been. You, yeah. Right before the pinnacle. (laughs) Exactly. The good stuff. The primer. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm the fluffer. Yeah. All right. The sad part is, is this one will be better than the hundredth. I'm sure. There's that. Yeah. (laughs) So guys, uh, definitely once again, check out our sponsor, truenutrition.com. And Nelson, where can people reach out to you if they want to follow you along? Of course, we'll have your social media and stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Just uh, my, my Instagram name is at Nelson J. So it's my name, except I decided to put a Z there instead of an S. Because you think so, it's cool, right? That's what you told me Because it's very cool. I, I did it. It's funny. I started doing that with everything, with Twitter and all my stuff. And I was like 15 years old. <laughs> Nels on J. And yeah. so, and here we go. I'm a grown ass <laughs> man. And, Nel, and everything is Nels on J. So I just, I went with it. it that username is always available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip there. Uh, All right, guys, let's get out of here. See you soon. Thank you for having me.